This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. And I begin by first of all saying that part of being a Muslim, actually no one can be a Muslim. No one can be a believer unless you believe in six main foundations. Number one, to believe in the oneness and unity of Allah, that there is no God worthy of worship but Him. We all know this, alhamdulillah. Number two, to believe in all His messengers and prophets that He told us about. And to believe in Allah's angels, which He told us about. To believe in all his books and revelations which he sent down, which he told us about. The final of them being the Qur'an that replaces all the revelations before. To believe in life after death and the judgment day, and then to paradise or hellfire, that Allah is going to judge us for what we have done in this life or, what we, or, or our shortcomings. After a short time, we go back to Allah and there will be a judgment day before determining who goes to paradise and who goes to hellfire. And to believe in what Allah has called qada and qadar. As I said before, predestiny, the fate and will and pre-measurement that is in the power and control and knowledge of Allah alone. And nothing can happen or get to where it's going to get without Allah knowing about it, writing it, willing it, allowing it to happen and creating the means for it to happen. And He decides and wills where it should be, go, how it should be, when it should be and what shouldn't be. Predestination. Another word is pre-measurement. And there are two words we use in the Quran. Allah says qada sometimes and sometimes it says qadar. Have you heard of the word qada and qadar? They really mean the same thing. But if I go by the views of the scholars, if you want in particular, qada just means Allah's prior knowledge of all things. And since Allah's prior knowledge of all things is already there, it cannot change. Because if it changes, it's as if we're saying God does not know everything. So the prior knowledge of Allah is set. There is no changing to it. Qada. And Qadar, see that prior knowledge which Allah has that is infinite and can never change? Qadr means that Allah brings it to existence. Allah brings it to existence and it happens. He pre-measures it. Everything has been decided to be where it is and how it should be right from the beginning. And it will not go anywhere else but, it, but where it has to be. You're born a male, you're born a female. It was decided. How long you're going to live where you're going to live, where you're going to die. The world, 
the sun, the moon, the rotation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about every single thing that comes to your mind that is in existence has a purpose and a destiny. It is within Allah, again, within Allah's knowledge. Within Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has destined it and willed it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control of it. Up to here we all understand this basic piece of information. But we have many questions. We have many questions about this. Lots of misunderstandings. But what about this and what does this mean? So insha'Allah in this series, I'm going to address those misconceptions, those questions on people's minds when it comes to God's will, destiny and fate. How do we understand it? It's important to understand it. And since we need to believe it and you cannot be a Muslim without believing it, it's detrimental that we believe in it. We understand what it is. Before I go into it, there is a question that people ask repeatedly. What is the motive? What is God's motive for creating us and everything? Why did God, Allah, create everything and us? What is his motive? Why did he do it? Brothers and sisters, I'm going to answer this question very in a short few sentences. And it should suffice, inshallah. The specific answer to that is not told to us. Why he, subhana, what his motive is not told to us. Why? Because Allah is not like us. Allah doesn't have motives. We have motives. You see, the reason we ask that question is because we sometimes fall into the mistake of comparing ourselves to God. Let me give you an example. We as humans, if we want to get to something, we want something. We can't just get it. We can't just click our fingers and magically is there. it's there. Isn't that correct? And if we want something, there's a reason for it. Is that right or wrong? We always have a reason, a motive. To get to it, I need to do the means towards it. For example, if I dig a hole in the ground, you'll naturally ask me, why did you dig the hole? What is your motive? Naturally, I have a motive. Isn't that correct? My motive is because I want to get to something that I don't have right now, but I have to dig the hole first in order to get there. For example, if I want to dig out a well, some water, I have to dig the hole to get to the water and then I drink. That's my motive. If I want to dig a hole in order to plant a tree so I can grow it, to eat from it or to farm it or to make money out of it, that's my motive. But I can't get there without digging the hole. And when you ask me that question, I have an answer. Because of this, we got used to the question, why do we do what we do? And then we ask God, Allah, why did he do what he does? Why does Allah do what he does? You see, brothers and sisters, Allah doesn't need means. He doesn't need anything. Allah did not create us because he needs us. He did not create this universe because he needs something. There is a motive or an objective of his that he wants to reach. Allah can just say, kun, be, and it is. Allah said, be, and it is. 
But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created this universe and us for a wisdom that he himself knows beyond our comprehension and understanding. And if we continue to ask that question, why he, why he, why he, it's an endless cycle. The question is wrong, my dear brothers and sisters, because Allah is not like us. But I know what you're saying. Is there a purpose behind our creation? Did Allah just create us for nothing then? And just leave us like that? A'udhu billah. Allah says in the Quran, أَفَحَسِبْتُمْ أَنَّمَا خَلَقْنَاكُمْ عَبَثًا وَأَنَّكُمْ إِلَيْنَا لَا تُرْجَعُونَ Did you assume or calculate or think that we created you for no purpose whatsoever, just playing games, and to us you will not return? Allah created us for a purpose and a wisdom. A wisdom that is His, subhanahu wa ta'ala. My brothers and sisters, what is this purpose? There are many purposes in life. Many purposes that Allah created us for. You can be here to enjoy, one of the purposes to enjoy life, to appreciate life, for the purpose of relationships, the purpose of innovating, creating, inventing, building, the purpose of going and coming, the purpose of existing, the purpose of living and experiencing life, experiencing this world. All of these are purposes. And Allah created them for us. And they are part of the reason. However, they're short purposes, short-term purposes. They are just means to the greater purpose. What is the greater purpose that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us for? In simple words, by the infinite wisdom of Allah, he willed for the human to be created on this earth and to teach him about himself and his relationship to his creator and to teach him the story of the universe around him and to make him an entrusted successor on earth, successor on earth to look after it and to represent the will of Allah in standing up for justice between people and everything else. But by his own choice of actions, not by mere animalistic desires and whims like wild animals. Brothers and sisters, therefore, we are in this world to live by this wisdom that Allah created us for. If a person applies injustice, they are not living the purpose of why Allah created you. If you apply justice and follow justice, you are fulfilling part of the purpose that Allah created you. If you follow the guidance of Allah in the way that He created this universe and how to live through it and what is the right life from the wrong life, you are fulfilling the purpose that Allah created you for. If you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and understand that this world is a preparation for the hereafter that is to come, and you prepare for it, you are living the purpose that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created you for. When you look after Allah's earth and His creatures in the way that He wants you to look after them, you are fulfilling the purpose Allah created you on this earth. When you get married and you have children 
And you raise those children and teach them about Allah and their relationship to Him and their relationship to themselves and, why, and the entire reason why they are here, you are fulfilling the purpose that Allah created you. For Allah said to the angels, Inni ja'ilun fil ardi khalifa. I am going to create on earth successors who will be entrusted. Who will be entrusted with what? Entrusted to carry out on behalf of Allah, justice, goodness, and the right in this world. But how? He gave us choice. You can choose now. You can choose. Brothers and sisters, this is an honor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. He has honored you and made you different to the angel. The angels, they do have choice, but they don't have desires. Allah put us in us the desire. And when that desire wrestles with you, and your internal fitrah, your conscience which Allah has created for you, and your belief in Allah, and your sense of right and wrong, comes to the picture you fight with your desires. Which choice will you make? And Allah gave us a Quran and He showed us this line and said, this is the way to go. And this is the way not to go. Go ahead. I've given you all the resources you need. Now make the right choice. If you didn't have choice, you will not be honored or favored, my dear brothers and sisters. And with the choice, you can rise to be above the angels because it was your effort. It was your choice. You earned it. Or you can go against everything that it pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and bring yourself even lower than the animals. It's up to you. All right. All this is nice and good. How do we understand the verse of the Quran which says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I have not created the jinns or the humans for any other purpose except to worship me. So does Allah need our worship? Did He create us because He was yearning for someone to worship Him because no one else worshipped Him? Or, was, or were the angels not enough? Because the angels asked. They said, Oh Allah, are you going to create people on earth who will shed blood and spread corruption while we, the angels, we worship you and glorify you? They couldn't understand. Allah merely said, I know that which you do not know. Meaning, there are things that you will not be able to comprehend right now. Even if I explain them to you until it happens. And truly, the angels have understood now. And they make dua for us. So why did Allah say, I have not created the jinn or the humans for any other purpose but to worship me? This verse, my dear brothers and sisters, was in response, was in response to the people who created out of God statues and deities. And they started to offer these gods and deities their food, their belongings, offerings. In ancient Greek, for example, ancient Greek theology, they used to do it. Today, there are several religions in the world, such as Hinduism and others. They give offerings to their statues and idols in the meaning of these offerings are for God, this food this water, this drink, this jewelry, this belongings, so that the gods can be pleased with us by giving them this, these things. So Allah responded by saying, what are you doing? Your whole creation on earth was not so that you can feed me. 
I didn't create you so you can feed me. I didn't create you so you can give me. I don't need anything, Allah says. I don't want anything for you to provide me with. I don't want your food. I don't need any of that. However, the relationship between a creation and their creator, Allah, cannot make sense in any way except that it's done through worship. The God and the creation, how do you have a relationship with Allah? How do you have a relationship with Allah? There is only one way. It's called worship. It's called worship. You don't worship anything else. That is how you connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do you connect to your parents? Through their own means. How do you connect with your wife or your husband, the ones you love? How do you connect to your children? How do you connect to your employer? How do you connect to your pet, which you have at home? Each one has a way that you connect with them. The only sense, but the only thing that makes sense and the only thing that is appropriate and befitting between the creation and God to have a relationship and connect with Him is worship. That's how you connect to your Creator, to Allah. So Allah is saying, the only reason that you are a creation or that you are here is just your duty is to worship. Nothing else. I don't want anything else. And when you worship, this is where you feel your connection with me. And that is when it's a whole new world for you. Brothers and sisters, think about it. Think of the opposite way. You cannot be here without a creator. Otherwise, did you create yourself? Did you make yourself? What, your parents? Your parents are a means. It's like a machine that produced something. Where did you come from? Do you have a beginning? There must be a beginning to this universe. If there was no beginning, there will be no existence. There has to be a beginning. That beginning has to be the absolute beginning. Who is that? The creator. Who created the creator? Nothing. That's like asking, can you make a triangle a square? No, because it's a triangle. That's it. Who created the creator? No one. Because then that would be the creator. This is an oxymoron. This is a contradiction. It is a wrong question. Some people, they say, if God is all-powerful, how can, if all is God-powerful, can he create a rock which he cannot carry? Again, an absurd and silly question. If God is the all-powerful and can create a rock which he can't carry, it's an oxymoron. It's a contradiction. It cancels itself out. The question itself is stupid. He is the all-powerful. So he is the all-powerful. End of story. <laughs> Allah is the creator and he is the beginning. Otherwise, you and I won't be here. Allah says a simple statement. Were they created from nothing or did they create themselves? Brothers and sisters, just very quickly, something to think about. This, you know, inside of us, our, our features, you and me as human beings, the color of our eyes, the color of our hair, our skin, everything about us. It is made up of codes. We call them your genes or genomes, which are codes inside your genes. Not the genes that you wear, G-E-N-E-S. Your genetic code is inside of you. It's a program that Allah created. It has 
a sequence. It has a code and numbers which we numbered. Not one is the same as the other. If you were to take out all of your, so they're also called DNA, all of your DNA that makes up all your genes, if you were to take them out of your entire body and put them in a string, end to end, they are so small, right? They put them in a string, end to end, all the DNA that's in your body. Do you know how far it will reach? Do you know how long it will go? All the DNA, all the codes that are inside of you that make you the human being up. They will reach from the sun to Pluto and back ten times. Look it up. You can look it up in the science daily. You can look it up in any authentic website for astronomy and scientific discoveries, biology, anything you like. If one of these codes was taken out, you will have a deformity. One. If one was added, you will have a deformity. So you're telling me this creator cannot be and that the world made itself? No, impossible. There is a design. There is a sequence. There is a pattern. There is an order. There is harmony in this order. And that's how we know science. It is impossible not to have a designer who is beyond our tiny feeble mind. I'll give you one more example. This table in front of me. Did it make itself? Obviously not. Who made it? Can you tell me? What does your reasonable mind say? Who made this table? Huh? The designer. A human or a monkey? A human. Why not a monkey? Would you anyone believe that a monkey made it? Everyone's laughing at me. A monkey couldn't have made it. Did you see who made it? Did you see who made it? You didn't see who made it. Did any of you here go and get the serial number and start calling and tracing it back all the way experimenting until you get to the place where it was made? Did any of you do that? So how can any of you tell me that a human made this? Are you crazy? Without experimentation, without science, with... I'll tell you something. Your reasonable mind, your faculties, your intelligence, which has been created in you, and your experience in life teaches every human being that this table must have been by, made by a human because the human is the only reasonably intelligent being intelligent enough to make it. A monkey can't make it because we know a monkey does not have the capacity or the intelligence to make it. Did this human make it for no purpose? Did this human make the table for no purpose? No, it didn't make it for no purpose. There is a purpose. If the human made a table for no purpose, you say it's foolish, it's just crazy. What are you doing? If a human, you, can tell me this simple table was made by a human who is intelligent, and not a monkey because it's unintelligent, because it has a design, it has a purpose, it has a structure, it has a means, it, it has a meaning, then what about this entire universe and your DNA? It is a design. There has to be a creator who deliberately made us for a purpose, directly, and there is an order 
and there is a timing and there is a goal and there is a destiny and there is a will this person who made you therefore has to control everything then he just left it and like that by itself and if for example if you had a shopping cart on wheels from Woolworths huh? and you got a bunch of different groceries and things from the shop and you placed them into that trolley and then you took it outside and you're going down a hill and there are cars on the road and there are children and there's families and you're going outside to your car you have to control that trolley to get to your car isn't that correct but if you took it outside and you were the cause of it being outside, you put all the groceries in there and you organized them all nicely, and as you're going down the hill, you decided to be silly. You just let go of the trolley and you said, the trolley will find its way. What will happen? What will happen? It'll hit someone. What else can happen? Ah, hit a car on the road. What will happen to the groceries? everywhere probably kill someone probably whatever the trolley and the grocers will not organize themselves it has to have a designer a maker deliberately guiding it to its destiny am i right or wrong but this is a very simple example Allah to him belong the best of examples there has to be necessarily someone who is controlling willing willing things to happen predetermining them pre-measuring them pre-planning them creating the means for them to happen guiding them deciding knowing exactly everything is that true has to be Allah says therefore in the Quran do you think that we created you abathan meaning we just did that and left you <laughs> left you for the whole world to just clash against each other in the universe and the planets and the stars and we just just clash and finish no there's an order even if you decide to clash and do the wrong thing there are consequences as a result perfect consequences that don't change for example if you lit up a fire and you jumped into the fire is the fire going to burn you this fire is going to burn you if you allow your baby child to crawl on the road with cars going and coming, is there a consequence? Could it run over the child? It's going to run over the child. You jump into a hole, are you going to fall into the possibly break your leg or something? There's a consequence. So you can be disorderly, but your disorderly also has an order that follows it. Everything is in precise measurement and an order that does not change. So my brothers and sisters, you have to believe in Qadar and Qadar, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created everything, willed everything, pre-measured everything, predestined everything, and knows every little single thing. Let me begin with the verses of Allah's knowledge, just so that we can understand it a little bit better. We know and believe that Allah created everything in existence. Things we know, things we do not know, things we've discovered, things we have not discovered, and things we can never discover, nor ever know, or even understand or comprehend. He created the things we can see and cannot see. He created this life, what was before this life, what is parallel to this life, and what is after this life, since Allah created and made everything, and nothing created Him, or came before Him, it necessitates 
that he also knows it all and controls it all. He has to know the past, the present, and the future of everything. Do we know all that? Do we know all that? The reason, my brothers and sisters, why then we understand why we ask questions. Why did this happen to me? What if I had done that? Is this a punishment from Allah or is it a reward? Or is it that Allah has a plan for me? Why did this? Why am I a boy? Why am I a girl? Why was I created into this parent, these parents? Why am I in this circumstance? Why is my health like this? Why am I created looking like that? Why did I not get this job? Why did I get this job? Why, 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 why? How is it possible for you to know all the answers, my dear brothers and sisters? Even if Allah told us the answers, we still won't get it. I'll give you an example. A baby who is one year old, no, five months old, you lit up the barbecue and the barbecue is still very hot. Let's say you had a wood fire and the fire is burning there. Your baby who is five months old and now crawling, when they see that flame, what do they think it is? What does a baby think that fire is? Something to play with, a toy. Is it colorful? It's colorful. Is it dancing? To the baby, this is paradise. This is their joy. This is what they were created for. What does the baby do? Crawls to the fire. What does it want to do? Touch it. Why? It doesn't know why, but just thinks there's something enjoyable and fun about it. It's something that they're going to enjoy. It's for them. Me, me. What do you do as a parent? Stop them. No. Why don't you go up to the baby and say, listen, it's your choice, but I want to tell you, that fire will burn you. And if the fire burns you, you're going to get skin injury. You're going to probably first lay or second, or second degree or third degree burns. Then you're going to go to the hospital. You probably get an infection. And then if you get an infection, they could amputate. Will you tell a five-month-old baby all that stuff? You just grab the baby and take him away. What does the baby do then? Wah, cries. What do you think the baby's thinking? Why? Also, mum and dad must hate me. Mum and dad don't want me to have fun. Why? It's a toy. They've let me play with toys before. Why not this one? This is the baby. I can't articulate it, but this is what the baby's feelings are telling you. And it feels like it's been victimized, oppressed, wronged. What is going to happen to me? Fear. Did my parents do it because they're punishing me? Oh, my parents don't like me. Is this going to keep happening this way? Why? Try to explain it to a baby. It will never get the answer. Because it doesn't have the brain capacity to comprehend it, even if you told them. You can say, go, do, do. You can say, kh. You can say, wah, wah. You can say, baby still won't understand. Even if the baby got burnt, will still not understand why it got burnt. It's going to blame the fire. Why? Why the fire burnt me? Why I'm just trying to play it? Not fair. I meant good. Brothers and sisters, this is a simple example of our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine we are that baby and there is things happening to us in the world. Some things we can understand. Majority of them we cannot reach a conclusion. If I had done that, my father wouldn't have got cancer. If I had done that, my brother wouldn't have had an accident. If I had done that, I could have been in this place or that place. If I had avoided that, I wouldn't have married so-and-so. If I had done this, I would have married the other person. If I had not done that, this would have happened. If we had done this, we could have had a boy. If we had done that, we could have had a girl. If we have done that, we could have gotten that job. 
My brothers and sisters, it's endless. I'm going to explain all this. There is an answer to it all. But in the beginning, brothers and sisters, I want you to relax and take a step back. We have small percentage of control over our lives. And that control which we have is the only thing that we are responsible for and the only thing Allah will judge us for. We're going to get into that, inshallah. As for everything else, what did the Prophet ﷺ say? He said, in the meaning of the hadith, I'll just recite parts of it. He said, be careful. First of all, he says, uh, act and try your best. Plan and go ahead. Rely on Allah and don't be afraid. Don't get lazy. Put your determination and learn, then go ahead. But then, he says, when things don't work for you, do not say to yourself, لَوْ أَنِّي فَعَلْتُ لَكَانْ If only I had done such and such, this would have happened. Just say, قَدَّرَ اللَّهُ وَمَا شَاءَ فَعَلْ Allah has pre-measured and predestined, and what He wills, He does. Finish, move on. Otherwise, you will be in an everlasting loop of an obsessive, Seeking closure to understand, you probably die and never understand it. You would have to know the infinite past, the infinite present, the infinite future, and everything in between, and all the whys to understand it. Why did this person die at a young age? How did you know that they were... Why did they die before their time, they say? How did you know this was not their time? That was what was written for them. Why? Only Allah knows. Do you accept that? Alhamdulillah. Is it a good reason? There must be an amazing reason. Allah doesn't do anything without mercy, kindness and wisdom. And that is why Allah told us in Hadith Al-Qudsi, Hadith, which the Prophet says, but on behalf of Allah, he's quoting Allah. It's not Quran, but it's not words of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it's in between. He said that Allah says, Ana inda husni dhanni abdi bi. I will be, at, I will be to you as you think of me in a good way. Yani, think of Allah, think of me positively. No matter what happens, assume good about me. Because I don't do anything for bad. I do it all for good. Maybe you don't understand yet. Maybe you cannot comprehend yet. That's the meaning of believing in qada and qadr. And that relaxes you. My brothers and sisters, listen to this. Allah says, He has the keys to the realm that lies beyond the reach of human perception. <laughs> beyond the human perception, how are you going to even get there? None knows them but He. None knows them but He. And He knows what is on the land and in the sea. There is not a leaf which falls that He does not know about. A leaf from any tree in the world, under the ocean, above the ocean, in the mountains. If there were trees on Mars, the leaf on Mars. Any leaf that drops, Allah knows it. And He does not know falls that he does not know about and there is not a grain a grain in the darkness of the earth or anything green or dry which has not been recorded in a clear book do you know what it means that it was recorded in a clear book anyone know Allah has written everything and we'll talk about that soon in something called a clear book it is a preserved record at the book of decree which is with him no one can see what's in it except whom he wills. 
Allah wrote in it everything that will ever be. Everything. Everything. Everything, everything. That book of decree, everything is in there. What is it based on? It is based on what Allah knew infinitely before. Everything he knew that will happen, he wrote it. Why did he write it? The wisdom is known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But perhaps he wrote it to tell us, it's because in our perception, you and me, this is how we understand things. That when things are written, they become more important. They become more serious. In our perception. Allah didn't write them because he wants to remember them. Allah wrote them so that it has an effect on us and on the angels and on the day of judgment. It was written. Everything. What does that mean that Allah knew and wrote everything? Does that mean that none of us here have any say in where we end up? Does that mean that if I don't pray that Allah had written this for me, therefore it's not my fault? If I don't fast, is it because Allah wrote it upon me, meaning I have no say, it's not my fault? If I killed someone, Allah wrote it, it's not my fault? They were supposed to die on my hands? If I go outside here, sometime, one time a brother, <laughs> may Allah guide him, he hit someone else's car. The other brother said, you know what he said to me? I go, what? He goes, he said, this is from the shaitan. I wish he said it was written. He goes, from the shaitan. Another brother, he says, it's written that I'm going to punch you. The other one punched him back. He goes, mine's written too. The other one goes, I'll show you what's written as well. Gives him another punch. It's written. <laughs> Everything is written. They go, therefore... I have no say in the matter. This is absurd. Babe, how do we explain all this? How do we explain all this? See, I've got to believe in Qadr, and you're telling me that Allah is already pre-measured and predestined, and then you come and tell me I have to be accountable and judged for what I do? How is this my fault? Why would Allah judge me and punish me for the wrong that I did when He wrote it upon me? Is that a fair question? Is that a fair question? Tayyip. What is the answer? My dear brothers and sisters, it is true that Allah had written it. But what He has written that you will do is not because He made you do it. He didn't write it, meaning I'm forcing this person to do it. The writing means I know what this person is going to do. I'll give you an example. Let's say you had a time machine. Someone invented a time machine. You took that time machine and traveled 1,000 years into the future. And you wrote all the things you see. Then you came back 1,000 years back into the past where you were. And you gave this book and everybody started following this, thinking how it's Everything written in this book is actually happening. 1,000 years in the making, it's happening. Because you had already seen it. My question to you is, did you make 
all this stuff happen for 1,000 years? Or did you just know because you saw it and then you wrote it? Whose fault is it? Yours? Because you wrote it? Or is it someone else's fault? Someone else's fault. All you did was know what's going down because you saw it. I'm just giving you a hypothetical example. Let's say there is uh, a parent who has, mothers are good at this, they got a, a child, and that mother, she knows that if she offered her son or daughter an ice cream or green peas, the mother, before the child makes the choice, knows that the child will choose which? The ice cream. The ice cream. Tayyib. She puts it in front of him. The child chooses what? The ice cream. Do we say the mother forced the child to eat the ice cream? She may have allowed it, but did she force the child? Or did the child make the choice? Of course, the child is not accountable yet. But whose choice is it? The child. Let's say she put the green peas and, I don't know, garlic. And she says, my child's going to choose the green peas this time. The child chooses the green peas if they've tasted the garlic before. Does that mean the mother is the one who made that decision? Or she just knows that her child will choose this over that? Do you understand? So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written everything that will be, it is his knowledge of what you will do. Tayyip. What about all this other stuff? The sun rising and the sun setting and the moon and the trees. They don't have a mind of their own. Ah. There are two aspects to Qadr. There is something we call the universal predestination and the specific, which is ours. In other words, universal predestination which Allah is controlling fully and totally and the things which are legalized, things which Allah told us to do or told us not to do, these things are in our control. We choose them, not Allah. What is the difference? The things that you have no control over, Allah will not judge you for them. For example, if you're born a boy and you said to yourself, man, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of all the good deeds that women get to do, which I can't do, like pregnancy and giving birth. And I heard the amount of rewards a mother gets. I wish I want to do what the mother does. But you can't because you're a man. You can't get pregnant. I'm not going to go into all the science right now. We'll do that another time. That's not your fault. That's not your fault. And the other way, let's say, for example, you were born into a corrupt family. And you say to yourself, am I going to be judged for what my father does, what my mother does, what my brothers and sisters do? No. That's not in your control. Isn't that right? A person was born with a mental illness or a, dis or a disability and they didn't have the capacity to pray the five daily prayers that Allah has made compulsory. Is that their fault? It's not. Will they be accountable for it? No, they won't. Why? Because it is not within their control. 
But the things that are in your control, and then you had a choice, you will be judged for that. So the question now is, am I forced or am I or do I have free will? Am I forced or do I have free will? The answer to that is anything that Allah has commanded you or prohibited you and anything which you find that you are able to do or not do by your own decision is a free will. And that free will you will be asked about. Example. Can you stand up to pray? If you choose not to stand up, you need a good excuse. If you don't have an excuse, you will be judged. Why didn't you stand up? You had the opportunity to steal or not steal. You chose to not steal. Your friend chose to steal. You get the reward. They get the sin. Why? Because you chose. Could you do it? Of course you can do it. You're thirsty. You chose to drink. The tap is there. You can walk to the tap. Your legs are fine. Your hand is fine. Your eyesight is fine. The tap is working. The water is coming down. You can reach up to the cup. You have absolutely no disabilities. But you were so thirsty at night, you chose not to get up. Maybe you're lazy. But you still felt thirsty. Whose problem is that? That's your problem. Why? Because you had the choice. You are accountable for that. And the list goes on. Isn't that right? You dug a hole. You didn't put, let's say you work outside in the street, you dug a hole. You didn't put any warning signs or anything like that. Somebody falls into it. Whose choice was that? Yours. They got injured. Who's accountable? You. Why? Because you had the free will. That example I gave you before, the person punched him. The other one punched him back. Who chose that? Allah or them? They chose it. They chose it. Taib, you might be asking me now, all right then, that's all good. But isn't Allah still in control and wills for you to punch someone or not? To pray or not? Meaning, if, I, if God doesn't allow me, I won't be able to do it. You're saying everything's within His will. Yes, it's true. Allah is in control of your actions as well, but not in the way you think. Allah has made a qadr, a pre-measurement, a predestiny, that you will have a certain degree of free will. Who is the one that gave you that certain degree of free will in the beginning, in the first place? Who is it? It is Allah. Example, if you move your arms around right now, who is the one that gave you that free will? Who is the one that created those arms for you? Who created the neurons and the neurotransmitters from your brain to your arm? Who made you healthy? Who made you conscious to be able to move them or not move them? Isn't it Allah? This is still in the control of Allah. But the control of Allah is this. He willed it to be your choice. He willed it to be your choice. When you make the choice, Allah creates the opportunity. Let me repeat that. When you make the choice and you are determined, the intention is there and you go to do it, you cannot do it unless Allah creates the opportunity, creates the reality for you. 
And Allah creates the reality for you based on His knowledge of what you will choose. So it's the other way around, actually. It's the other way around. It actually started with you. That action actually started with you, not with Allah. Allah facilitated it, allowed it, measured it, willed it, and you did it. All right. Let me ask you another question. When Allah rewards you or punishes you, does Allah reward you for the mechanical actions that you do? Any, for example, if I lifted this mobile phone up and I called someone to help them, that action of carrying the phone and talking to that person and I help them, that mechanical act, me moving my arm and carrying my phone, does Allah reward me for that? Or does it reward me based on something else? Does Allah reward me for actions or for something else? Do you understand the question? Allah rewards me for my intention and objective. In Arabic we call it Al-Qasd. Al-Qasd. My objective and my intention. As soon as I want to go to the masjid to pray, I make that intention, that objective. Allah creates the means for me. He creates the means for my legs to move, for the pathway to be open, for me to get there, for me to raise my hands, for me to stand. All step by step, Allah creates it for you. Yes, He is controlling it, but based on what? Based on your intention and objective. You wanted to do it. Tayyib, let's say something happened along the way and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pre-measured, God forbid, that a person, they're going to break their leg on the way and they didn't make it to the masjid. Does Allah reward you for the intention and objective or He no longer rewards you because you didn't get there? He rewards you for your intention and objective. And same with the sin. So, let me repeat this. If Allah is in control of everything, and He creates everything, and He wills everything, and He wrote everything, then how do I explain that I made a choice? Your choice is based on your decision, your intention, and your objective. As for the mechanical work, Allah is the one who facilitates that. Let me give you a, another picture to this. To show you how things work with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you. You know, your intention and your objective. If you just sit there and you intend to do something but you don't do it, is it counted? It's not counted. It's not counted. But then you do it, it's counted. Why does Allah want us to do it? Why does Allah tell us, get up and go and I'll create the means? Since your intention and objective are already there. Just sit there and say, I intend to pray and I love salat, khalas, it's in my heart. No. Allah tells you, get up and I'm going to create the means. Why all this trouble? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He knows your intention and objective and the evidence and the witness to that objective and that intention is shaped into what we call your actions. 
those actions are the things that on the day of judgment will come up and witness for your actions, for your intentions and your objectives. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to show what, you object, what, what your intention objective is in the actions that you do. And because of that, the world keeps going. Motion happens. It is the qadr of Allah. Listen, brothers and sisters, let me talk. Let, watch this. Allah says in the Quran, وَخَلَقَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ He created everything. وَقَدَّرَهُ تَقْدِيرًا And he measured it in a precise measurement. Precisely. You know what that means? There are no mistakes. It's absolute. No mistakes. Precise. How? In his justice, with his knowledge, with his wisdom, with his mercy, with his kindness, with his fairness, everything. And you know what, brothers and sisters? We should thank Allah that everything is in his control and his judgment, not anyone else. Had it been in anyone else, it would be disaster. But it is Allah who's taking control of our affairs. I'll give you an example of a great tabi, a, a scholar of the past. He said, I think it was Sa'id ibn Musayyib, or I think it was also uh, Al-Hassan al-Basri. He said, whenever I make a dua, I call upon Allah. And dua can be made in different ways, by the way. But there are some dua where you ask Allah for something. Dua doesn't just mean you have to ask Allah for something. Dua is a whole lot of things. Calling upon Him, connecting to Him, worshipping Him, complaining your worries to Him, asking Him for guidance. And sometimes you ask for something specific. He said, whenever I ask for something and Allah does not give it to me, sorry, and He gives it to me, I thank Him. Subhana, and I'm grateful to him. When he doesn't give it to me, I thank him double. Why? He says, because I know that the reason that he did not give it to me is for my benefit. Had it been up to me, I would fall into disaster. Allah kept it away from me for my benefit. And I am happy that Allah is in control of my affairs, not me. That's when you believe in qada and qadr. And you put your tawakkul and trust in Allah while, while doing the actions, while seeking the means. There is no such thing as sitting down and saying, I'll just rely on Allah and He'll just take care of everything. That's wrong. That's wrong. And that defeats the entire purpose of why Allah created us. But we just talked about Allah creating us and He willed for us this and He willed for us that. And there is a purpose and emotion and there's a judgment day. Otherwise, all this means nothing. All of it means nothing. Brothers and sisters... I'm not going to go into the next misconceptions because there are actually about 15 of them. But for now, I want to just finish this short introduction to Qada and Qadr with the following principles and concepts. I want you to use these principles and concepts from here on every time you hear about Qada and Qadr. Every time you hear about Qada and Qadr, use these principles. I'm going to give you four what we call characteristics of qada and qadar. How many? Four what? Characteristics or four features of qada and qadar. And I'm going to give you four, four reactions how, how to deal with qada and qadar in four ways. So four characteristics 
and four ways to deal with Qadr. The four characteristics of Qadr are this. Qadr does not happen except with these four things. Number one, and I mentioned it before, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, first of all, knows everything that will happen. What's the first one? Allah knows everything that will happen. Everything. Based on his knowledge of everything, the second characteristic, he wrote and recorded what he knows about what will happen. So now there's two. Allah knew, Allah recorded in the preserved tablet, Allah al-Mahfuz, the book of decree. Thirdly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed for what will happen. So now he willed it. He allowed it. And number four, Allah created everything that happened. Who can repeat them? Four characters of Qadr. Allah knew everything, recorded everything, willed everything. So if you record it, it hasn't happened yet. You need someone to will it. Allah willed it, meaning allowed it, decided it, gave it permission to happen. And number four, created it. So you give it permission, but what's, where's the product? Allah created it. He even created your actions. Remember what we said before? When you intend to do something, Allah creates the actions for you to do it. So he bases it on your intention and your objectives. Either you get there or you don't. At the end of the day, Allah will give you the reward for your intention and objective. And he looks at your effort. So Allah created everything. See, when you stand up to pray, who created your arms to do that? Allah. If he didn't create them, can you do that? And who created your legs to stand up? Was it not Allah? Who created the means for you to stand up with your legs? If there wasn't oxygen for you to breathe, can you even stand up and pray? Who created the oxygen for you? Allah. The brain that you have the consciousness to think with, who created that consciousness for you? Allah. Your heart that beats. Who All of these mechanisms are created by Allah. Therefore, we say Allah created your action. All you have to do is use it. And once you use it, Allah makes it a reality. He creates the reality based on these means. So I don't want anyone to come back and say, and I've had this question before, saying, Wallah, Allah didn't will for me to pray. Allah hasn't willed for me to wear the hijab. Allah hasn't willed for me to start um, fasting. Allah hasn't willed for me to stop alcohol. Allah hasn't willed for me to stop drugs. Allah has not willed for me to change my ways. Allah has... Subhanallah. My dear brothers and sisters, I have to tell you seriously and honestly, that is a question from the shaitan and it's a dubious one. It makes it, you're not going to get anywhere with it. You need to move away from that and face the reality and say to yourself, it is within my control. And I have to make the decision. Allah has not stopped you. Allah has not stopped you. In fact, the fact that Allah commanded you means that you have been willed to do it. How do you know Allah hasn't willed it? You're the one who hasn't willed it. Allah is going to go by you. Allah is going to go by you. Otherwise, if Allah is going to judge us for things that we have no control of, you're saying that Allah is an oppressor. Is Allah zalim? Is Allah an oppressor? No. Even the little child who hasn't reached puberty, Allah doesn't judge him. Because they don't have the brain capacity to be able 
to make the right decisions on their own enough to be judged. That's why Allah doesn't judge the person who's born mentally insane. That's why Allah doesn't judge a person who's never heard or known about the truth. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at all these circumstances. He is absolutely fair. It is me and you who choose or not choose. Yes, some things are hard. Yes, some things we have to struggle. That's how it is. That's, that's how you earn. That's how you earn what you deserve. But I guarantee you, Allah, even the haram needs a struggle. Everything in life is the good and the bad. You have to struggle to go and meet with that person who's going to sell you the drug and take the risk of getting caught and planning and plotting. Man, that's a lot of work. You have to plan to go and learn all the flirt, flirting words, flirtatious words with that girl to get her. You're planning. You've got an objective. You're going around. You're taking your time out. You're, this needs a lot of effort. Same as you plan for the halal and for the good. When you do your salat, when you tell the truth, when you do a work that is beneficial, when you learn something that is beneficial to you, all of it needs work. But the problem is you. Either laziness, or what you tell yourself, or you just don't want to do it, or maybe you don't understand yet. All of this is within our hands, my dear brothers and sisters. So keep going and rely on Allah. I gave you the four characteristics of Qadr. In relation to Allah writing... I'm going to tell you something. There are five stages of recording. Five stages of recording. I already told you the one in the book of decree. That's everything, right? But there are specific things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not write them in a lawh al-mahfuz, but they are based on the lawh al-mahfuz. He comes down, for example, lawh al-mahfuz is one. Then you have after creation of Adam. When Adam السلام, was created, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he sealed the decree of who shall end up in paradise and who shall end up in hellfire. And he knew who will go, but did not write it, nor the angels know, till after we, after we declared. Yani, when Allah created the, Adam, Allah took us out of the back of Adam السلام, We were all souls. That's before he created us. And he said to us, I have already decided and written who's going to paradise and who has going to hellfire. But he did not record it. He said to everyone, as in the Quran, do you all bear witness that I am your Lord, worthy of worship, and that you will follow my message and my guidance? And we all said it, Muslim and non-Muslim. Then Allah recorded after that declaration, who will end up in paradise, who will end up in hell. That's the second recording that happened. How did he decide who's going to paradise and hell? Based on what he knew we were each going to do. So why did he make us go through it anyway? That's a question for next week, inshallah. Why did he put us here anyway since he knows? Then a third creation. A third recording is in the womb. When you are in your mother's womb as a baby, at the age of 120 days, according to the authentic hadith in Sahih Muslim and Bukhari, 120 days, Allah sent an angel to write four things. Your lifespan, how long you will live, your rizq, your provision, how much money you're going to get, how many skills you're going to get, what will you get out of this world and what you will not, how much. And whether you are going to end up in paradise or hellfire. That writing is not what Allah wants for you.
It's what he knew about you. Why? We'll talk about it next week, inshallah. Number five, number four, Allah records in Laylatul Qadr. Laylatul Qadr. Laylatul Qadr in Ramadan, Allah makes, uh, writes new decrees for that year. That is why it's important for us to make dua in Laylatul Qadr. And that is why when someone is pregnant, it's good to make dua for that child. Uh, we'll talk about that another time, but dua has an effect on Qadr. Dua has an effect on Qadr. Number five, a daily, daily decree, daily recording. Allah says, Every day Allah is decreeing a new happening. So that's why we say dua in the morning. Oh Allah, one of the duas, for example, Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to say, for example, Allahumma inni as'aluka khayra hadha al-yawm. A'udhu bika min sharrihi. Oh Allah, I ask you the best of this day and I seek refuge in you from the bad of it. And he used to make dua about goodness. And that dua makes a difference for when it is recorded. You might ask me, hold on a minute. How can your dua change the qadr? I say to you, Allah already knew and wrote that you're going to make this dua today which will change what was originally supposed to happen. So at the end of the day, it's still there. No mistakes. No mistakes. But it's from you. It started with you and Allah recorded it. Do you understand? It started with you. Lastly, the four ways of reacting to Qadr. Brothers and sisters, every time something happens, whether it's good or bad, and we usually focus on the bad. Well, at least it's the bad that you and I perceive. To Allah, there is no good or bad. It's to Allah, that's what you perceive. Sometimes we might see bad as good and good as bad in this life. Bad is when you disobey Allah and you start heading towards hellfire. That's the real bad. But to Allah, when things happen to you in this life, some of them are out of your control. Some of them are within your control. Always remember four things. Number one. This, inshallah, will prepare us to have the strength in the face of any hardship, any calamity, any change in our life. Number one, always remember, it could be that Allah has a plan for you. Allah may have a what? A plan. There is a plan why this didn't happen. There is a plan why it went that way. You will see soon. Be patient. Or number two, it could have been one of those tests that Allah is giving you for your hereafter. We all get tests. You want to earn Jannah? You're going to go through some examination. But that test will also strengthen you. You either pass it or you fail. So get ready. Probably it's a test for me. Number three. Number three. Suffering. So we're talking about suffering, let's say. Good may come out of this. Maybe Allah allowed you to do this or not allowed you because good is going to come out of it. Sometimes we head in a direction thinking that good will come out of it. Allah says, no, 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 I'm going to take you that way. I'm going to guide you that way. You get guided that way. Yes, it's within your choices. But sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees that you deserve that good come out of this particular time. It can happen. And Allah directs you. But within, with, in harmony with your choices though, how? Allah knows. And you are guided in a direction by pre-measurement of Allah to bring out a better outcome for you. And that is why Allah says, Asa an takrahu, asa an takrahu shay'an wa huwa khayrun lakum. You may hate something when it's good for you, wa asa an tuhibbu shay'an wa huwa sharrun lakum. You may love something when it's bad for you. Wallahu ya'lamu wa antum la ta'lamun. You see, Allah knows. 
You don't know. So rely on him. And lastly, it could be the result of a choice and free will that you made. Okay, if it's a choice and free will that you made, what do I do with it? Perfect. I learn from it. Every mistake you made is good. Don't think of it as bad. So long as you keep moving forward, don't stay stuck where you are. A baby. How does a baby learn how to walk, my dear brothers and sisters? Huh? Persistence? What else? Huh? Experience? No. I'll tell you how. Every time the baby fell, when it was getting up, it didn't stop. There's persistence. Keeps going. Because babies, they don't think about consequences. Adults do. He gets up, or she gets up, then falls. The baby falls a thousand times and learns a thousand ways of how not to fall by falling a thousand ways. Do you understand? A baby learns a thousand ways of how not to fall by first falling a thousand ways. I won't do that anymore because I'll fall. <laughs> do you understand? So in our choices and free will, relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we learn. And so long as Allah has given you a life to live, don't give up. There is a reason for you to live. You still have chances. And inshallah, we're going to bring up beautiful questions. But all the things I discussed today, you know, the Prophet ﷺ said, hold on a minute. A person may reach paradise. Then before they die, they do something and end up in hellfire. There are people who do the actions of the people of hellfire. Before they die, they change and end up in paradise. SubhanAllah, how, how do we explain that? How do we explain that, for example? Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, what do you mean that it's all about, it's, it's all up to you to pray or not pray? Doesn't Allah say, Yahdi may yasha wa yudillu may yasha? Allah guides whoever He wills and misguides whoever He wills. What's the meaning of that? You know, questions like this, inshallah. And many other questions that come up, such as, if God knows everything that's going to happen, why create us and make us go through it? You know, We've got a series of misconceptions, inshallah, that next week we will answer bi'idhnihi ta'ala. I just left you with a bit of a cliffhanger because I want you to come back, inshallah, and invite your friends because this is an important topic. We'll be repeating some things over and over in different ways until, inshallah, we get it and our hearts are rested at ease. I hope, inshallah, if you don't take anything from this lesson today except these four and four, can you repeat them? Four characteristics is Allah knew, willed, recorded, and created. And the four ways we react to Qadr, Allah may have a plan. It could be a test for my hereafter. Good is going to come out of this suffering. And number four, it could be the result of my choices and free will, which I will learn from and get stronger. Good. Jazakumullah khair wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. If anybody has any questions, I'll just take three. I went that, three. Any questions? No? Yes, one question. No? Can I leave you with a cliffhanger? Bismillah, ya Rabb. No. Qaddar Allah ma sha'a fa'al. Say it. <laughs> Allah Akbar. <laughs> Inshallah. Barakallah fiqh, Habibi. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. Anyone else? Taddal Ramadan.
Brother's asking, if you do an action that's not for the sake of Allah, can you change your intentions? Of course you can. You just change your intention and make sure that what you're doing is pleasing to Allah. It's halal. If it's haram, you change your intention and the haram. How do you do it? In here. But if you want an example, you have to give me an example. But anyway, anyone can change their intention at any time. Any time. And there's a great hadith about that. It says, if you intend to do something good, but then you changed your mind for no bad reason, Allah will still write it as one, one good deed because you intended, because you wanted to do it. But not just intended seeing that thinking about it, it means you were going to do it. You planned for it and you're going to do it. And then uh, maybe something came up or you just thought, I'll do it another time. Allah still writes it for you. If you do it, you will get rewarded from 10 false to 70. If you intended and planned and were determined to do something haram and then you did it, it'll be counted as one bad deed. And if you changed your mind for the sake of Allah before doing it, it'll be written as one good deed because you changed your mind. So Allah rewards for intentions that are changed away from haram. And he still rewards you for intentions that you wanted to do good, but you didn't do them. Isn't that generous from Allah? And if you do the good deed, it's up to 70 folds. If you do the bad deed, it's one. Allah helps us, ya akhi. Jazakumullah. That was two questions. Any more? One more? That's it? Yes. A motive? Does he have desires? No. Allah does not have desires. Even the angels don't have desires. Ah, that's a question we didn't answer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills something for us. It's all about us. It's not about Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's all for you. It's all for you. Um, you know the ayah in the Quran where Allah says, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِ عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ So ask you about me, I am close. So he's close. فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي Let them respond to me. So now your effort. If you respond to Allah, what happens? What happens? You feel an amazing purpose for yourself. You rise in yourself. Your esteem rises. Your purpose rises. Your importance rises. You feel close to Allah and a connection with Allah. You feel His Rahmah and your reward is amazing. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. He wants it for you. As for Allah's motive Himself, Allah has no motive for Himself. That's who Allah is. We keep saying, Allahu Arhamur Rahimin. He is the most merciful. Allah is the creator. He creates. Allah is just. He shows His justice. Yeah, and if I told you, if everybody asked their parents, why did you give birth to me? Why did you give birth? I didn't ask you to give birth to me. I didn't tell you. And the parent tells you, it's because I love you. Because I want to manifest love. I want to have a child that I show love, that we can have relationships together as love, so that I can have a family and we, our family lives on and, and, and life keeps going. And so that we can... Yeah, and a person can continue in saying, but I don't want it and I don't care and I don't care. It results in rebellion. When a child rebels, what happens to the child? Do they feel good? They don't feel good. They feel lost. They feel lost because they're not close to their family. It's, it's a need that Allah has created in us that we love to feel close and important. And Allah wants that for us. The opposite way is true. Sometimes the parents, they're bad to their children. And the child loses their parents, but they yearn for it. Isn't that right? So the whole idea is really Allah wants good for us. 
at the end of the day that's what it is and to trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to know that he created us for a wisdom beyond our understanding comprehension is enough all we need to do is that we're here now worship Allah follow his guidance watch what great rewards you get and if you want to know even more and you're not satisfied with the answer inshallah in the hereafter you and I will be satisfied inshallah ta'ala but right now think of the baby that goes for the fire جزاكم الله خير وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته